Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. It's Monday, February 26th. I'm Stephen Overly. I'm on SCOTUS Watch because the Supreme Court will hear arguments in two lawsuits today. And the outcome could shape the way governments regulate social media. Here's your quick primer. Texas and Florida have passed restrictions on how platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and X police online material. The laws could prevent them from banning users or from removing their posts. Complaints from conservatives who accuse the sites of censorship. But tech firms argue the laws plainly violate the First Amendment. Two industry groups are leading their Supreme Court challenge, NetChoice and the Computer and Communications Industry Association. With the hearing about to get underway, I sat down with Carl Zabo. He's been the general counsel at NetChoice for over a decade. Now, NetChoice is known for being a brazen defender of the tech industry, which in recent years has meant filing a lot of lawsuits. Carl laid out the group's argument to the Supreme Court for me and responded to critics who say NetChoice wants the tech industry to have a free pass. Here's our conversation. Carl, great to have you on Politico Tech. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, you know, these lawsuits, again, Texas and Florida over social media laws are being argued in front of the Supreme Court today. Why did you bring these cases in the first place? These are clearly unconstitutional laws. They're bad on the policy. They're bad on the law. And we'd actually spent a lot of time. We'd flown down to Tallahassee. We'd flown down to Austin, meeting with lawmakers, talking to them, outlining the legal problems, the policy problems, even having legal memos drafted. And we provided them on the constitutional challenges. And yet, despite all of our efforts, the states of Florida and Texas still enacted these unconstitutional laws. We would have much rather these bills never had seen the light of day than forcing us to be here. But now we are here and we're ready to go. And the nice thing is we do have the law on our side. We do have the facts on our side. And we're expecting a clear win with the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, NetChoice has positioned these cases as a fight over the First Amendment and specifically whether it covers the rights of tech companies to decide what can and cannot be shared on their platforms. What precedent are you trying to set if you prevail here? Yeah, I mean, this is a foundational case to make crystal clear that the First Amendment applies online just as much as it applies offline. And we have about 200 years of First Amendment jurisprudence to back us up. Some recent cases include Miami Herald v. Tornillo, and that involved the state of Florida actually trying to force the Miami Herald to host op-eds it didn't want to host, went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said violation of First Amendment. In the uh, term just last year, the Supreme Court looked at a case called 303 Creative. Can the state of Colorado force a website maker to make a website that they didn't want to make? And the Supreme Court again said no. And both cases are essentially what are called compelled speech, forcing somebody to say something they don't want to say or host something they don't want to host. So we're expecting all the judges, left and right, to recognize that the First Amendment applies to the internet, just like it does offline, and simultaneously strike down the unconstitutional laws of Florida and Texas because, well, frankly, the government can't force you to host speech that you don't want to host. I mean, Florida and Texas make this argument that social media has become so concentrated 
that a handful of companies now control crucial platforms for communication, for information, for commerce, you know, and thus people are harmed when they are shut out or they're harmed when their speech is removed from those platforms. What is your rebuttal when they make that argument? Yeah, and fortunately, reality hasn't panned out the way that they describe the situation. In fact, because of the internet, more people have more access to more information and more opportunities to speak than almost any other time in the course of human history. And that's because if I don't like what is happening on Facebook, I can go to YouTube. If I don't like YouTube, I can go to Reddit. If I don't like Reddit, I can go to Nextdoor. I can go to X. I can go to Rumble. I can go to Truth Social. And that's just to name a few of the multitude of social media platforms and opportunities to get our points across that exist today. So the argument that there's only a couple doesn't match reality. Second, let's assume for the sake of the argument that that mattered. Well, the Supreme Court actually looked at this very same question in one of those cases I just mentioned, Miami Herald v. Tornillo. At the time, the Miami Herald was basically the only newspaper in that geographic region. And the argument was raised by the state of Florida at that time saying, well, if we can't get on the Miami Herald, nobody's going to hear me speak. And the Supreme Court said, you know what? Even if the Miami Herald were a monopoly, it doesn't matter. They're still entitled to First Amendment protections, and the state cannot force them to carry content that they don't want. So the argument of, well, they control doesn't match reality. And simultaneously, it doesn't match the law. I mean, these are big platforms, though, and they've only gotten bigger over time in terms of the, you know, they're involved in more areas of the internet, they have more users. And so if you want to reach a large audience, certainly there are a handful of social media platforms that allow you to do that. I wonder if if it's not the government who should ensure that tech companies don't abuse that power to abuse sort of this role that they now have? Yeah, I mean, you're actually seeing the people, the advertisers, decide what they want with respect to their social media platforms. A couple of years ago, YouTube got into some hot water because, in fact, they weren't doing enough to remove lawful but awful content on YouTube. And suddenly advertisers began leaving the service and users started voting with their feet because they didn't want to see some of this truly terrible content presented. And they went somewhere else. Similarly, you just saw Elon Musk buy Twitter, now X, and he's changed the platform in a completely different way. And people have voted with their feet. For people who want to have kind of more on the right dialogue, they can go to Rumble and they can go to Truth Social. So what we are seeing is exactly what we want to see which is the free market, giving people choice and then letting people choose with their feet. We'll be right back. You know, take me inside your preparations for today. You know, what challenges to your argument are you anticipating from the justices and how are you going to respond? I mean, one of the wonderful things about the U.S. Supreme Court is you get a lot of justices who are just genuinely curious. They want to have high level of discussions and dialogues and kind of think through and pontificate what what the outcomes of a decision would be. And so we will expect discussions such as, well, what about the reporting requirement? Why can't you just tell people why content was removed or denied? And for that, we actually have amicus briefs from individuals, users of Reddit who actually do the content moderation for things like SCOTUS blog, trying to explain, hey, if we had to do that, we'd know we'd never be able to moderate. Or you have Paul Clement, who will be arguing for NetChoice, kind of outlining, it would be absurd for every newspaper, every publication 
to send a letter explaining why your op-ed was not accepted. I mean, I've had plenty of op-eds rejected all the time and just they say no, but this would essentially require every single social media platform to send you a letter explaining why you got kicked off. And that doesn't make sense. It's a violation of the First Amendment. It's a chilling of First Amendment speech. But at the end of the day, what we are expecting is the lawmakers to look at the issues and to recognize that it's actually pretty simple. The internet is not a bunch of dumb pipes. It is a highly edited, curated, and personalized experience. And that editing, curation, and personalization is editorial discretion, editorial content. And just like a newspaper arranges the content on its newspaper, rejects articles it doesn't want to publish, and decides what's going to be on the front page, the same thing is true for websites. And that's exactly where we expect the justices to land when they look at this issue and realize, you know what? We've already decided this before. We just need to reaffirm it today. You mentioned the reporting requirement. Should I, as a user of these platforms, be entitled to some information about why a post is removed or if I've reported a post, why it's not being removed? You know, I I think that's a tension a lot of users do feel with these platforms. Yeah, I completely get it. I get look, I get frustrated all the time. I'm a registered Republican. So you would think I would be in the camp of Florida and Texas for removal of conservative content. But as a conservative, I believe that private businesses have the right to decide what's best for their users and their customers. And I'm terrified of the government coming in and telling us, telling anyone that they must say something they don't want to say. Now, getting to your question on the reporting requirement, part of the problem there, and we actually have a declaration from a group called Stop Child Predators, and they kind of outline this. If you give the bad actors the rules of the road, they will find a way to sneak around it and get access and engage in ways that are unlawful, that are criminal, that are violative of the policies. It's kind of like saying, well, you can't use a profane word and people just add an ampersand and escape the censors, escape the the moderators. So that's one of the many dangers that needs to be recognized is that if you tell bad actors exactly how you're going to stop them, they'll find a way around it. And that's just one of the many problems with it. Yeah. Beyond these cases at the Supreme Court, NetChoice is challenging social media laws in a handful of other states, but the number of tech laws are only continuing to rise. What's your long-term strategy here? Is it more and more litigation? Yeah, I mean, we see litigation as the last resort. And so a number of our lawsuits are basically just on the First Amendment. It's about protecting free expression, free enterprise. That's kind of our core mission. But at the same time, we're out there talking to lawmakers An unconstitutional law will protect zero children, will protect zero Americans. And what we are seeing is sometimes lawmakers will introduce unconstitutional actions. And what we do is we go in and we talk with them. We talk with them well before they start voting on a bill. We talk to them as they start having hearings and try to explain this is an unconstitutional law. It's not going to do anything. If you look at the states of Florida and Texas, their laws have done absolutely nothing because they've been blocked, because they're unconstitutional. Instead, we go and speak with lawmakers on ways that will work, that will achieve the ultimate end goal. How much of a bearing do you think the SCOTUS decisions will ultimately have on the way other states approach social media laws? Yeah, One of the things we're looking forward to is making crystal clear that the First Amendment applies to social media. And that's going to kind of send a message to every single lawmaker out there that you can't do an end run around the First Amendment. As much as you want to hand wave it away, the First Amendment is there, and it is there for an important purpose, to protect all Americans from government-compelled speech 
and government censorship of speech. So right now we're talking about Florida and Texas. Well, there are actually some cases coming up in about three weeks before the Supreme Court, uh, Missouri v. Murty. Right. And that's a case where Republican state AGs brought an action against the Biden administration for removing content and pressuring social media platforms. And the basis of their lawsuits against the government is that it's a violation of the First Amendment. So if the Supreme Court finds against Net Choice and CCIA and there's no First Amendment for the Internet, then the Republican AGs are going to lose their case against the Biden administration. And that's the wonderful thing about the First Amendment. It is apolitical. It applies regardless of your ideology. And it's not one of those things that is there to help you when you need it and can be waved away when you don't want it. You said there that you only bring lawsuits as a last resort, you know, that you try to work with lawmakers to pass lawful bills. There are critics of, of net choice and, and some other industry groups, though, right, who say, you know, you're against all regulation. What do you say in response to that? Are you against all regulation? Of course not. That, that, that would be absurd. I mean, we are actively pushing for comprehensive privacy legislation at the federal level. We are supporting things like Senator Ron Wyden's efforts to increase resources for law enforcement to throw bad actors behind bars. We are working with state lawmakers across the country to enact new laws to fill gaps on artificial intelligence and protect things like child sexual abuse created by artificial intelligence or revenge porn created with artificial intelligence. What we do is we look at what is the problem that is trying to be solved and then work backwards. And I think that's a key important factor. We want to figure out why does a lawmaker want to enact this law and what is the problem they're trying to address? Then we look to see if existing laws already address that problem. And if not, we then can work with a lawmaker to achieve something that is constitutional and that actually achieves the actual outcome. Because at the end of the day, the internet is heavily regulated. Everything that is unlawful offline is unlawful online. And what we need is not necessarily more laws. We need more law enforcement. So yeah, when bad actors do bad things, I say throw the books at them. But by the same token, it would be absurd to say the internet is unregulated or that NetChoice is pushing for an unregulated internet. Well, I think some of the push now is under the idea that these tech platforms themselves can be bad actors and that there needs to be more accountability for them for the decisions they make, whether that's around content or how their platforms are designed, the harms that those platforms cause in the real world. Is there legislation that you all are supportive of that does involve these platforms having more accountability? I mean, there's a lot out there today under, for example, Section 5 of the FTC Act, which regards unfair and deceptive trade practices. Sometimes what we are seeing is social media as the scapegoat for problems in society. And my dad, my wife's a child therapist. So kids are suffering. But there's a lot that went into that. And one of the big things for me as a dad was shutting down our schools for three years and the social emotional harm that that could have done. So what we need to do is have a collective conversation about what is going on. The other part of your question is, absolutely, if any business, I don't care if you're online or offline, engages in criminal activity. One of the examples we sometimes hear with artificial intelligence is that it's used to engage in illegal discrimination. We have laws that make it criminal to engage in illegal discrimination. Election interference, we have laws to criminalize that. So we don't need new laws. We need law enforcers to go forth and enforce the existing laws. And that kind of gets us back to what would we support? We support 
fierce enforcement of existing laws, giving law enforcement, like attorneys generals, the ability to enforce those laws, because at the end of the day, technology does not change the law. The law is the law. Carl, thank you for joining us ahead of the hearings today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow.